You just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career. Learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft digital Well, it is showtime. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another Self-Publishing Insiders with draft digital And we got our uh, resident geniuses with us today. I'm Kevin Thomason. I'm not one of the resident geniuses, uh, but I'm with the other two, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, I am uh, Mark Leslie Lefebvre, coming to you from the Waterloo, Ontario office of Drafted Digital, and I'm the resident bald guy. The resident genius must be the next guy. Got to be. I'm Dan Wood. Uh, I'm still out of Oklahoma City. Uh, actually, getting a little tired of being right here in Oklahoma City all the time. So, looking forward to being able to travel again. I for, I forgot to mention that I'm in I am in Holland, Michigan. I should have just stopped at Holland, but I'm in Holland, <laughs> Michigan. All right now, so and we are we are traveling, so I guess that's uh, that's where I have the advantage over the other guys. <laughs> yeah, considerably colder, I imagine. Yeah, it's getting pretty chilly up here. It was it's uh, I, well, it's not too bad. I mean, it's only in like the fifties, so reasonable. But reasonable, it's supposed to be a lot colder very soon. I was gonna say, normally, I mean, last year at this time we were at a conference in Oklahoma City. Right, yeah. um, and uh, and it was for like the home of Drafted Digital, but we were also there. David Gogren was also one of the speaker guests, so we actually had a chance to be mixing and mingling in person, even when we had the party at the Drafted Digital office where we bust people in, and it's quite a dramatic difference. Which I think is why we're doing these things. Right, we want to engage and interact with authors and chat with them. So that's uh, this this has been a um, a great uh, experience, but you know it's not. Not the same as being in person, but we'll we'll take it because at least we do have the opportunity to answer questions from authors we may not be privileged enough to get to hang out with in person. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely learned a lot from going to a digital format for like just trying to get out and connect with authors. So it's been great. So the girl uh, Sarah, who is doing the transcriptions of our shows, uh, has been she's a uh, budding author herself. She's a copywriter. She wants to write books. And she's been telling me uh, how much she's getting out of these. So she's getting like a free, like college level education out of these uh, little broadcasts we're doing. Uh, we should tell everybody that, uh, by the way, that if you want to catch up on all the past stuff, I'll put this on the screen actually. Uh, jump over to selfpublishinginsiders.com because we're actually pointing you to all the past episodes. You can watch them, listen to them, and uh, read transcripts from them. So that's a great place. Uh, to kind of pick up where, you know, if you've missed something or you're just tuning in for the first time, that's a great place to go. And speaking of read transcripts, hey, Sarah, good luck with your next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should encourage her as much as possible. She's our key demographic, actually. <laughs> we should just start saying a bunch of random, like, nonsense words. Things that are very difficult to say. The transcript, and she's like, what, what is, what's going on here? <laughs> or if I speak Canadian, that'll really throw her. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you're native. Canadian. Good old Canadian. So uh, we did start this whole thing as a way to uh, this, you know, we back when the uh, pandemic stuff and quarantine stuff first started, we started this program, the live streams, uh, talking to insiders in the industry as a way to um, basically supplement for the folks who weren't able to go to conferences um, because of the uh, restrictions. But also uh, we discovered that, you know, there were a lot of folks who probably would have enjoyed going to the conferences and getting something out of those conferences, but couldn't. 
for reasons well beyond uh, the pandemic. Uh, so this has been a way for us to uh, shore up and help people uh, as this sort of thing progresses. Uh, but we're seeing some shifts in the actual industry now. And that was one of the things we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, during this live stream. And by the way, if you're out there, you can ask questions uh, no matter where you're watching YouTube, Facebook or otherwise, uh, make sure you're asking your questions and we'll take your questions live. Who wants to jump in and talk about some of the predictions of how this is uh, impacting the, the industry? I think before we went on, Mark had a really good point. So uh, would you share what you were, you were talking about earlier, Mark? Yeah. So one thing I want to, I want to remind authors. So I've seen some reflections in some of the author groups that I'm a part of that uh, sales uh, started to slow down uh, for authors. And, and that's due to a number of factors. Uh, so one of the primary factors is of course uh, in the last month or so, uh, depending on where you are in the world here, where I am in Canada, you know, school just, just started uh, this week and school has started in the last month. And so as people are adjusting to the, the new norm, of some of it's online, some of it's with masks, some of it's like all of the different things. It's, it's very stressful for a lot of families. And therefore, the primary focus right now for families is most likely how to deal with this new and how to get used to it. So chances are they're not looking at uh, books uh, the way they would normally. Even in September, they would be looking more at textbooks and things like that rather than beach reads and things like that. So there, there is typically a dip. Now, obviously, it's a little bit more dramatic now. But then the other thing, and I've been in the book industry since uh, the 90s, and every single election year is always a bad year for book sales. Now, we did see incredibly dramatic increases in digital sales starting in mid-March and have continued to see growth in ebooks, which is phenomenal. However, I want to remind people that we are in the U.S. Uh, in, in, in a very divisive election. So a lot of focus, a lot of energy in an election year is towards anxiety about elections and not in and, and book sales. Traditionally, if you look historically at, at, at the, the industry stats, they will go down. So if your sales happen to start to go down a little bit, please do not panic. Think about the long term. Uh, think about a book, a new book, uh, especially I, I think I was listening to the Six Figure Author podcast and I think it was Joe Lalo, one of the one of the co-hosts on that show, was talking about um, launching during uh, the previous election year. Uh, and and I think he launched the week of the of the election results. And he's like, it was the second worst book launch he had ever done. Mm -hmm. And Joe's a very uh, you know six figure respectable uh, earning sales author, and and even even an author with with lots of fans and a great uh, mailing list and and stuff. People weren't interested in reading, even if they loved the stuff. So if you're seeing the sales go down. Don't panic. Stay the course. Stick with stick with the long term. Um, these are just some of the industry trends that we have seen historically, and I just want to make sure you're you're not alone. Chances are, there's, you know, it's across the board. And in addition, I think Dan, uh, you were talking about uh, in traditional publishing with the pandemic, delayed uh, lots and lots of big yeah. major titles with a lot of publishing push. What six hundred? Yeah, it was well. That was just last week. The released, I believe, in the UK alone, um, just because the traditional industry runs so much off of selling print books and selling them in a very short time period. Um, everyone delayed things because it, they mostly are trying to sell through those bookstores and, and brick and mortar uh, in person purchases. Uh, so they delayed and they kind of everyone punted it down the road and now. They're trying to catch up, and so it, it's caused a huge 
uh, surge of books, new books. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people are kind of going to get left out in that, like new authors, debuting authors aren't going to get the marketing push from a traditional publisher they might have because you can only, you know, there's only so much space in a newspaper to <laughs> review a book. And so, yeah, uh, it's very crazy to think about. I, I did want to touch real quick on a point you made very early on, Mark, about um, a, every year we see sales slow down a little bit as people transition back into going, uh, like getting their kids to school, like that transition point from summer into the school year. Um, it's just inevitable. It always slows down a little bit around then. Um, what's been fascinating to me this time and seeing it with our staff is just that uncertainty where they are having to, in, in many cases, their kids are staying home and being online schooled and they're having to figure out how do I work, but also how do I parent and keep my kid uh, doing all the schoolwork they need to. Uh, it's a very difficult time. And so I encourage everyone not to beat yourself up if you're not as productive right now. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Every, good. Everybody's still figuring all this stuff out. Um, but it's interesting to see how technology is impacting uh, all industries really, but authors uh, as well, because you are seeing things like zoom is being used a lot to go online for both uh, collaboration and you know, their author conferences that are being hosted entirely via zoom or other streaming services uh so it's interesting to see how that's shifting the perspective on the industry i, I think before it, you had a lot of people who were very reluctant to try that sort of thing out and now it's it's almost old hat like everybody's everybody's doing it all the kids are doing it now <laughs> I, I wonder if some of the traditional conferences won't scale back or disappear entirely because they're yeah. generally very expensive conferences to attend and if, if we can figure out how to do some of those deals virtually like this, as opposed to like everyone meeting in some of the most expensive cities in the world, like New York or London, um, it, it would save everyone in the industry money, um, which hopefully would make it down to authors. Although, you know, I, I think more likely in those scenarios, uh, indie authors will do very well and traditional authors won't really see any of that money. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something real quick about uh, print and how right now all those printers, you know, a couple of the big printers uh, went bas basically out of business uh, and everyone is left is being really taxed on uh, their workload. And so what we're seeing is basically there's not enough uh, equipment out there. There's not, a, there's not enough production out there to produce the number of print books that are being demanded. So as this new season this weird oddball season of uh, you know new releases comes up. Uh, a lot of books aren't aren't even going to make print. Like a lot of their uh, print dates are actually being pushed back or canceled altogether. So uh, if you are in heavily invested in uh, digital books, ebooks, and audiobooks, uh, this this could be a good time for you to jump in and fill in some gaps. Um, so <laughs> we have some questions. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. With 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 the printing situation in general, a traditional publisher. They're going to try to guess demand and they're going to do like a run where they have a few thousand copies printed out. Um, they make much higher margins on those that they print out in advance than they do on print on demand. Yeah. Um, because nobody knew and everything's crazy. Everyone was being conservative um, and didn't print enough copies of books. 
all of them are relying now on print on demand to fill in some of the gap. And so it's, it's really slowing everything down for everyone in the industry. Um, I, I know as we work with authors in our print beta, um, there's a high priority for print on demand companies to make sure they fulfill orders like from customers. So people that go and buy your book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any of the places that sells a print on demand book, those printers will get those books out very quickly to customers for author copies though, the whole chain is slowed down and we're, we're hearing that from our friends that uh, go through Kindle direct printing. We're hearing it through Ingram spark and we're seeing it through our printer uh, that everything is much, much, much slower than it normally would be. Um, and so just take that into account. Uh, like when you're ordering author copies that they may take weeks, if not uh, a month or so to get to you. And I just uh, just recently received author copies from both the trade paperback that I did through draft to digital print and a hardcover through Ingram Spark. And within two days of one another, both equally, you know, uh, three, four weeks after I placed the order, which is not normal. Normal. Normally I would get them uh, sooner. So that was, uh, we're, yeah, you've seen that effect. And, and this was stuff I had ordered, you know, hoping to have way earlier than this. But that's just, that's because of the demand, the incredible demand that we're seeing, unprecedented um, for, for the use of those machines. Yeah. So we, we do have some questions. I'll start popping a couple of these up here. Uh, so where can I promote my book to more readers such as social media sites? You guys have any advice? I would start, uh, Lacey, with when you're thinking about social media, the first thing that I think you should think about is, A, what social media are you comfortable with engaging with and the communities that you're engaging with? And think about um, your ideal readers and where they're engaging and if that's a place that you can naturally feel comfortable. Because if you don't feel comfortable with a particular social media, just deciding to do it because people said you should do social media is probably not going to be a good experience for you. And it probably won't be a good experience for the people on the receiving end. I think of social media as more of community engagement where you can actually uh, give and share interesting content for that right audience of, with things that they would be interested in. One of those things they may happen upon is the fact that you also write in that genre or you write that kind of book that can satisfy those needs. And so social media is not a single magic bullet for sharing your work, but it can be part of a larger long-term community uh, engagement. So when you think about where, think about the places you already like and enjoy and the communities you're already a, an actual integral part of, those would be the places I would start with. And if you're not, pick one that looks interesting to you as a consumer of the same type of stuff that you're uh, publishing. And maybe you can be inspired by looking at what other people are doing and look at what they're sharing that makes you want to read and follow and comment and engage. And that's the kind of stuff that at least I think works better um, in terms of rather than, hey, look at me in my book. It's yeah. more of a, uh, and, and I think, uh, did I learn this? From either Christine Catherine Rush or Joanna Penn, one of those goddesses that we worship and admire. But it was, if you're producing interesting and engaging content, that is a, a, a direct relationship to people going, wow, this person is interesting and engaging and entertaining. Yeah. I bet you their books are too, <laughs> because it's just, it's, it's, it's a natural inclination to say, oh, wow, you know, Kevin Tumlinson writes these books and he's is funny as heck. Hey, maybe I'm going to enjoy his books too. And it's that natural thing rather than a forced 
uh, overly salesy kind of thing. That's that's my yeah. Canadian approach, anyways. I love we're moving to a point where people. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it was a lame joke. You go ahead. <laughs> I just, we're, we're moving to a point where people really have that desire, and the desire's probably already always been there, but to really connect to creators. Yeah. Um, and platforms like Twitter and YouTube and Facebook are giving people exactly that opportunity. Um, and so I, I think what Mark said was spot on, figure out where your readers are and which platform you're interested in and yeah. be active, um, share uh, things from your, your life or, uh, I mean, you don't have to share like personal things of your life, but uh, share things that you think might interest your reader group. And so uh, all of this is different depending on if you're writing fiction, if you're writing nonfiction, if you're writing, uh, you know, a certain type of fiction. Uh, so just figuring out what would be most interesting to the people who are your ideal readers. Um, yep. There are kind of the easier answers of where you spend money. Uh, BookBub uh, in general, the BookBub uh, daily deals are a good investment, but it's hard to get one. Um, Facebook advertising works, Amazon ads work. Um, those are different ways you can spend money, but um, with social media, you have opportunities to do stuff that doesn't necessarily cost you money. It just uh, takes a little bit of your time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, written word media is one I would also check out for free booksy and bargain booksy. Uh, Cause whereas it's really hard to get mm -hmm. a book bub, uh, they're, they're like winning the lottery, but um, I've had some, some really solid luck with the free booksy and bargain booksy. Um, as well through written word media uh, again for, for those promotional sites and, and there's there's hundreds of them out there but those are some of the ones that, that work well for me i also recommend the cross promotion tools on book funnel um which oh, are yeah. all re mailing list based but uh so if you don't already have a mailing list uh, you may want to use book funnel to help build one but if you can get involved in some of those promos they're basically they're built into the subscription price for the service so they're essentially free uh, I've had a lot of luck. I mostly like the ones that help me build my mailing list up. I'm a big fan of uh, build your mailing list as big as possible, and you don't have to worry about which social media platforms to uh, to focus on. Uh, we got another question from Bobby. Uh, Bobby asks, hi, new to self-publishing. Can I upload my book to D2D and put it on hold until I have a cover? And I actually think Alyssa answered this in the comments, but we can answer it too. I'm sure there's someone else that wants to know that might not be looking at the comments. So right, right. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, you can go through every step. It waits till the very end where it says I'm ready to publish. And so you can put, go ahead and like upload your word document. If you don't already have your own EPUB file, we'll do the conversion. So you can see the conversion. Uh, nothing will start publishing until you hit publish. Uh, technically, you can publish it as a pre-order without the uh, cover at most of our retailer sites. Um, if this is your first time publishing, I wouldn't do that. Um, but for someone that might be interested in putting up a pre-order, but they don't quite have uh, their cover worked out yet, or they want to do a cover reveal uh, for a marketing reason, you can upload uh, books as pre-orders without a cover. Do you, uh, you guys recommend putting up the uh, cover coming soon thumbnails like Dean Koontz and some others are doing? If my name, my first name were Dean and my last name were Koontz, I would do it. <laughs> I don't have yeah, right, right. <laughs> Nobody else get, cares. So <laughs> No, I know uh, folks like uh, Bella Andre and Barbara Freedy had, had done that, right? And then they, may, yeah. they do a cover reveal. But, but again, they have 
hundreds of thousands of fans who are itching and they don't care that there's no cover. They're going to, they know they're going to buy it anyways, because yeah. they, they love and adore the author. And that's again, where that mailing list comes in handy. Yeah. I do kind of want to experiment with that someday and just see if I can create that sense of drama, you know, a little torn corner, you know, I'll yeah. reveal on what such and such date. Okay. I, I tried that using Bookbrush, uh, another great free tool. Actually, one of our previous interviews uh, with uh, folks from Bookbrush, and I did that when I relaunched a Canadian Marvel series. I tried that little cover reveal because they actually have those built-in auto templates that you can generate yeah. immediately. And yeah. and I played around with with a little bit of that. So that was kind of a fun thing. You should check it out, Kevin, if you haven't. I will. I I, I imagine it works a little bit better when you've got sexy men or sexy women on the cover than it might with like. Yeah, pyramids, oh, wolf. but yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna start draping naked people on pyramids. And, uh, <laughs> with, uh, okay, so uh, Kathy asks, how do you feel about publishing a book in December versus waiting until after the holidays and going for a January launch date? Can I answer Go this ahead, one? Mark. Mark, yes, yeah. you in the back. Oh, room. yes. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Tomlinson. <laughs> so uh, I, I take this back to uh, one of my early years at Kobo uh, when I worked there and and how on Christmas morning, a whole bunch of people got Kobo devices as right. gifts under their Christmas tree. And it almost broke the servers because that's how many people around one o'clock in the afternoon, suddenly their Kobo's was charged up and they were just buying like crazy. So when right. you think about this year of being even more digital than ever before, uh, Kindles and Kobos and Nooks and iPads and all of those different electronic devices and Android devices, like all those electronic devices where there's free apps or the dedicated e-readers, where you're probably going to stand a chance of, of of having more people jump into e-reading in that week, in that week of Christmas. I would say if it's ready to go and everything's done and edited and polished and you're good to go, you may want to have it available prior to Christmas so that those people who were gifted those beautiful e-reading devices can get a hold of them. Uh, or then they can go to the library and request to download them on the Libby app because, you know, through draft to digital you've made your, your books available to the library system. So I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, I think, launching in December post-election uh, would probably not be a bad thing. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind uh, is that a lot of the retailers shut down um, yes. about a week and a half or so before Christmas. Yeah, good point. Uh, and are, are shut down past the new year. So we always send out emails to let our, our, our customers know, uh, here is what the publishing schedule looks like. Um, right. And so if you're on track to get your book done in early December, I would agree with Mark entirely. If you think it's going to come down to the wire and be more like the 20th of December, odds are it's going to be better to wait because more than likely it's not going to go live at the majority of the retailers that week. Yeah, good point, Dan. I forgot about that. Uh, that shut and they shut it down because the it's the single biggest season for book selling, and they don't want right. to break they don't want to break their system. So it's like exactly. no changes. Let's just sell what we have. Yeah. So I, I, I like December releases, but I do try to release at least a good week before. Christmas itself. Um, and, you know, I kind of do a lot of promotion around that, like, you know, the perfect holiday gift for the one you love and give the gift of adventure. And that that does kind of uh, nudge sales a little because there's always somebody looking for last minute, easy to buy gifts. I think that's really especially going to be the case this year because no, nobody's going to go out and do the crowds of Christmas shopping, you know. <laughs> I imagine there's going to be a lot of gift cards going around, like email, gift, uh, credit. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, here's a question. I'm actually kind of 
keen on answering. Uh, should I learn InDesign if I am tech savvy? Um, my opinion is if you already have InDesign and you already have sort of a background in design and layout, uh, sure, go ahead and use it. But there are so many tools out there now uh, that are less expensive than InDesign or um, just free altogether. Just like we have a free layout tool built into our DVD print beta. Um, there are also tools like Vellum, which will do a, 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 just a sparkling layout for a couple hundred bucks. It is Mac only, so if you don't have a Mac, uh, you need to get access to one. There are services out there where you can sort of lease a Mac for a day uh, online, sort of virtual Mac thing. Um, but if you are if you already own it, like yeah, I have um, InDesign through Adobe Suite, uh, Creative Suite, um, and I learned it years ago. So I, you know, I'll, I'll use it every now and then. But I wouldn't use it for eBooks. I would only use it for your print layout, and uh, it's kind of overkill for the most part. But no I'll, I'll be more can... controversial and say no. I, I would not. <laughs> it's it's a waste of time unless you plan on selling eBook design services. Uh, and really the only people that need you anymore are people doing very complicated nonfiction and they're never going to really want to pay you what your time is worth to do that. True. Um, there's just so many tools out there that make it easy for people to do it on their own. Um, yeah. Like InDesign is good for very complicated nonfiction and fixed uh, layout EPUBs for uh, certain graphic situations, but a lot of vendors yeah. don't handle fixed uh, layout EPUBs very well. So, And can I reply to Dan that also answers another question that I saw uh, come up asking about the quality of the print books that come from D2D. Can it kill two, two birds yeah, with one stone? let me see if I can find that one. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I've been using InDesign. Yeah, that, that was Rose's question. So uh, do you have a sample of what D2D's paperback look like? So I'm going to hold uh, hold this up. So this one I just got uh, through D2D print, and it's basically the same quality that you would get from Ingram uh, using Ingram services, same same sort of printers. This is one that was designed, now the, the cover I uh, paid for, but then I used uh, InDesign to design the rest of the cover with art from the uh, designer. That's an example of one that I've loaded as well as the interior. But then there's also um, an example of one of the other books that I did where I did not design the full cover. And this is one of the benefits of DDD print is I only had the front cover. So when I went to load it, I just used DDD's automatic spine and calculation. So you don't need InDesign to do something as simple as that. And I've done that with a lot of my books where I, I haven't, um, maybe the shorter books as well, where I don't have a cover and it just saves me the time and energy. Now I can actually have a less than hundred page uh, book. So, uh, Rose, uh, I've been using print-on-demand through Ingram since 2004, and uh, and I, I adore the quality of these books. There, I, I can't I can't tell the difference. I think well, they're very a, high quality. I'm a little biased, but I think they're very high quality. As a, as a couple of my friends have said, this looks like a real book. Yeah. <laughs> um, that will make you feel good. It smells like a real book too. It's a great bathroom reader. Uh, so. Uh, this is an interesting question, and I, I, I have a couple. Of, uh, we have a couple of ways we can go to answer this. But uh, what is the best way to use the DDD book pages? One author posted that she uses the book pages as her website with lots of books. I don't see how that's possible. And I think that author may have been referring to the DDD author pages rather than the book uh, pages, the book tabs. Uh, on the book pages, you can actually have a carousel of books uh, in the same series. So if you have a series, you could do it that way. The author pages, 
are a little more website-like. They include like a uh, author bio, your headshot, um, links to your social media stuff, uh, a link to get on your newsletter, things like that. But they also feature a hero title. Uh, so maybe the latest book or the one you want to promote first in series or something like that. And then below all that, uh, you have the carousels of books uh, that are written by you, whether they're in the same series or not. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, we also have what we call our reading lists, which are uh, customizable carousels of books. They don't even have to be your books. You can put other people's books in these things. Um, but I think if they're talking about using it as their author website, it's probably the author pages. Yeah. And a trick for that, Charles, is if you're looking at your books to read link, uh, normally you got your book cover and then all of the retailer library links, audio links, whatever you have there. If you click on the cover, it'll take you to the book tab, which yeah. shows you the synopsis and a little bit more and uh, the author name, which is clickable. If you click on your author name, that'll bring you to your author page. So depending upon the, in your, my account under draft to digital, what you've loaded as your author profile and stuff will automatically pop up. And that's how you can use that as a potential web page that's universal to all the retailers. Yep. And we, we do have a, um, a video both on YouTube and Facebook covering uh, the author pages. So give yep. you a lot more detail and you can you know see exactly what Kevin's talking about on that. Yep. I bet if Alyssa really likes us, she would go and find that link and share it in the comments. <laughs> uh, she's probably okay. ready to stab us by now. Yeah, she probably is. She uh, tolerates uh, us more like. <laughs> let's see. We got some more questions here. Uh, this one from Catherine on YouTube says, generally speaking, how much time is there between when I push publish in DDD and when it shows up on Amazon? Assuming you filled out all the paperwork you need in order to distribute to Amazon through day to day, you, you mean? Yeah, let's assume <laughs> okay. that they passed the in, the tax uh, interview. They've got all their bio stuff and metadata, and everything is in place. They've done everything they're supposed to do. They hit publish. What's a good timeline to see their book go live? It's a little bit complicated with Amazon. Uh, they have a lot more rules than just about anyone else. Uh, so we have to do a lot more checking uh, to make sure the book hasn't been on Amazon before. Like it just, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And like Apple, they also have a lot of rules about you can't have links to other competitors. You can't mention other competitors in your book. Um, it can be uh, like as soon as like within 24 hours, there's certainly a, a lot of the books we send on are, are go through like that. Uh, but it can be a lot more than that. It, it can take uh, a week, in some case, a little bit longer. Um, right now, Amazon is very backed up. Uh, I, I think everyone in the industry is seeing a huge spike in uh, authors are publishing more than ever. And so we're hearing it from people who are direct with Amazon. And we're seeing it on our end, too, where um, if anything goes wrong, it takes a long time to get Amazon to respond to questions uh, and yeah. fix an issue. Yeah, it's like everybody had uh, two or three months of free time to write books or something. Yeah, and it, uh, it probably also has to do with everyone adjusting to uh, working from home. And Amazon certainly been one of those companies that made that choice. Um, and, and that is going to lower productivity a little bit as you work through all the kinks of yeah. uh, how to communicate and how to get things done. Uh, we have a, another question from Scott. Uh, Scott asks, uh, hopefully not asked already, does DDD allow me to pick and choose distribution I want DDD to handle and which I don't? 
I think that sums up the whole question. Uh, yes. <laughs> Here, we're, we're gonna we'll remove that uh, so we can see everybody's faces. But yes, uh, you can choose which vendors you opt into. You can opt out of vendors at any time or retailers rather. Um, uh, it's uh, for example, if you are distributing direct to someone like Amazon or Kobo, you can distribute to everyone else through us and and opt out of those two channels. So. Uh, and later on, if you decide you want to come back in and distribute everything through us or uh, add a vendor that you uh, previously opted out of, you can opt right back in. So. Yeah. And then I think the thing about delisting, right? He asked, uh, Scott asked about yeah. the removal. Uh, and, and most of our vendors, I would say, are, are, are pretty removal. quick. The one potentially which does have some complications is because Kobo isn't just Kobo. Kobo's fast at Kobo because they yeah. control it. We send them a message, they take it down pretty much instantly. It's their retail partners and they have hundreds of retail partners that right. they all operate on different timelines. FNAC, for example, one of their partners in France is notoriously slow. The Kobo yeah. will send them a message and, and they may, yeah, well, we'll get to it. I can say this because I'm French, but we'll get to it, you English types. You know, I can do that sort of thing. But they, they will get to it because they only process once a week. Right. right, not like most of the vendors, like Amazon and Apple and Kobo, they pick up our files within hours of us sending them. Uh, whereas some of the retailers don't have that um, that speed, uh, so that may be where you could run into some of your challenges. I think any of the any of the vendors that have additional partners could could cause a delay, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, really, really at the main storefronts for each retailer, they're going to get it down generally within a day. Um, the Kobo, everywhere else they go to uh, adds a, generally another day or so, uh, but it can add more depending on delays, uh, when it gets sent to them, how, when they process files. Um, libraries tend to be a little bit slower. Um, you know, I, I tell everyone to give themselves uh, about nine days or so yeah. uh, from like, if they have a target date, they're, they're uh, shooting forward to have everything down. Um, our whole system is designed to be opt-in by default. We never, uh, even when we add a new vendor, we don't opt you in automatically. Um, so you have to choose exactly where you want us to send it. Um, we, we never just send it on to a retailer. It's like the author's in control or something. Yeah, which is different than nearly every other aggregator. Uh, they just go ahead and send it out and that causes problems for everyone. Right. Uh, so we, I'm gonna try to share this on Facebook as well as on here. We'll show it on screen. Alyssa did find, first of all, Alyssa says that we are so mean to her, uh, which we are. Uh, and here's the that URL, with it, which I did try to share again so that it picks up in uh, uh, Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. But if you search for, you know, if you go to youtube.com slash draft to digital and just search for author pages in our, uh, our little library, you'll find it. So. Uh, I know that's kind of a convoluted URL to try to write down. Um, so we have uh, another question. This one's from Lynn. It's about, I'm sorry, there's one more passing by me. <laughs> I'll read the question from Lynn then. Can D2D scan the existing B2, uh, books to read links before creating a new listing for a book? It seems to duplicate listings quite often, especially if I've created a custom link for a book. Yes, I know I can deactivate extra links, but that gets old after a while. L-O-L. Can Kevin answer this as the noise stopped in the background? <laughs> no, it's still noisy. Dan? Uh, so 
we definitely need to do some work on that. I, I, kinda, I think I understand what, what you're saying. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time, it looks like, next year on books to read. Uh, yeah, it, it's we do create an, a link automatically, and uh, people sometimes don't know that we create the automatic link, so they go create another link. Um, so just communicating all of that better and, and making it easier to manage uh, the links that you do have is a priority we have. Um, we're finishing up some really cool stuff now that uh, I can't talk about yet, but just some very good tools that are going to be very helpful. Uh, and then we're working on design for a, a bunch of new cool stuff with books to read. And Lynn, thank you. And thanks for mentioning that, Dan, because Lynn, I will take that comment away as we look at plans for making books to read even more author friendly. So thank you. Uh, this is a question I think is one pertinent to uh, some discussion we're having. And I apologize if the lawnmower is drowning me out. Um, since I create multi-author anthologies, how do I get them all to show my name as the primary byline? They seem to show up as by the first contributor name alphabetically. Is this on books to read or is this on the retail sites? I'm, I'm just curious as to. I'm guessing this is uh, probably from the Universal Book Links, I'm guessing. I, I'm not entirely sure. Lynn, uh, can I ask you to uh, email support at draft to digital? They can punt that over to me. You can also message that to me directly since I know we're Facebook friends. And I can take a look at that more specifically and see where it's happening. Is it a thing we need to do to fix uh, books to read? Is it the way the metadata is stored and sent that so we can get to the bottom of that, if that makes sense? I, I imagine nearly every retailer shows it differently based on how they interpret Onyx, which is what uh, it's just like a, a, a universal language that they agree on that we send them all this data in. Um, but yeah, it's probably more complicated than we can answer here. Um, yeah, email support, uh, get in contact with Mark. And she, she did clarify that it's universal book links. Oh, it is. Okay, great. Thanks, Lynn. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a look at that with the, the smarter uh, B2R people. My friendly line guy has moved on now, so hopefully we'll, we'll be clear. Um, so, okay, uh, this question from Facebook. DDD shows that my book is published on Apple Books, yet when I check Apple Books, it says it's not yet available. What might be the problem? I know, as the resident Canadian, it might be on Apple in the U.S., but if, depending on where your IP is, maybe it's on one Apple site and not where you are. Is that a possibility? Just guessing? Because it, it'll automatically direct me to Canada, where it's not on Canada, but it is on the U.S. That's a yeah. possibility. Yeah, it does depend on if Apple has an actual Apple Books uh, store that sells books. There's uh, several countries where they don't, where they just have public domain titles, but they don't sell anything. Um, one neat thing about Apple, if you do have a Mac uh, on the Apple Books app on a Mac, you can click on, it's kind of the bottom right-hand corner, there's a flag and you can see the other storefronts. So you can click and go to the American flag and see the American storefront. Um, pro probably uh, just something to contact our support about. Um, there can be issues sometimes where our operations teams uh, have to intercede and find out like why something's not listing in another country. Um, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. And again, I would, uh, I would definitely reach out to our support team uh, at support at draftedigital.com with questions like that, just because they can do a little more of an in-depth 
uh, search and answer than we can on the broadcast. But um, so that's pretty much all the questions we got at the moment. Um, so if we want to loop back around and talk about some of our predictions for how things may evolve in the uh, self-publishing and, and or just the general uh, publishing industry, uh, this might be a good time. We got we got about five minutes. Well, we definitely we, we were we wanted to warn people that we think sales will be going down um, just because of this time of year. Uh, that being said, though, like we're way up for the year. There's a lot more people trying uh, ebook reading than ever because yeah. um, the convenience, like they're not just going out and grabbing a book at a, a bookstore. Uh, they have to be a little bit more intentional than that. And on most of the websites, the print books are considerably more expensive. And so uh, ebook sales are way, way up, um, just considerably up over last year. Um, personally, uh, I, I think this trend will continue. Uh, There's just still a lot of people who had never tried ebooks. And as more people try them and try audiobooks, um, the format is great, like the convenience and the cost. Um, so I, I anticipate that we're going to, we're kind of, this will take us up to a new plateau and then the plateau for a while. Um, yeah. but things are, are good. Um, we, we just wanted everyone to start planning now for, uh, things like the political changes, the, um, all the books that are publishing from traditional publishers that should have published earlier this year. Um, it's going to be a weird fall slash winter. Yeah. It does seem like the traditional industry is uh, focusing, still focusing very heavily on print. Um, and so they're going to run into some barriers and roadblocks uh, just because of shortages of, you know, uh, materials and shortages of uh, printers. So um, I think it's really a really good time to kind of put your chips on digital and uh, try to fill the gaps. I mean, you know, and don't just stick with retail, by the way. I mean, libraries are a great uh, source of revenue for authors at this point. Uh, you should also look into audiobooks if you can uh, if you can swing it. Uh, there are some technologies emerging now that make audiobooks a little less expensive to produce. Uh, and someone had a question earlier, and I didn't I actually forgot to post that one. Um, and I didn't know if we would be able to answer it because it was about uh, uh, Amazon's uh text-to-speech tool if i can find it i'll pop it up oh that was the one about poly i think right poly right so uh, that's um i i created an audiobook using that technology because uh, jim kukrell had a company called and i'm um uh i'm drawing a blank on it but it, it leveraged that technology of multiple voices and i chose brian a british male to do one of my audiobooks yeah. and uh and it was almost instantaneous you can tell it's computerized a little bit but i i sell that one for 99 cents and the full audiobook which is only about eighteen thousand words i sell for 6.99 in my voice which took me a long time to do but brian it took 48 hours <laughs> and and i didn't have to do any of the work for it so um but most of the retailers are not accepting artificial voice uh right. voice so i'm only making that available through drafts digital's partner find away voices uh, they they uh, distribute audiobooks to retailers and libraries and through their authors direct program i can sell it but i can't sell it on the retailers yet so yeah none of the retailers accept amazon poly right now um, yeah audiobooks generated by them um that will probably change as technology gets better um but uh the technology that's available right now uh you can't 
get it distributed anywhere, but um, is it Authors Direct is the, uh, the yeah. Findaway site? Authors yeah. Direct, or if it's short enough, Book Funnel has an option where you can sell audiobooks and if it's less than an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you oh. could um, yeah. sell it directly, but then you kind of have to deal with the tech support of helping people sideload an audiobook, which is yeah. not fun. Yeah. Not fun at all. I, I, I avoid anything remotely like that. Uh, here's a question we, we can rescue before it's too late. Uh, what are the number, minimum number of pages for a paperback? 64. So set, so says the guy who's done a lot of minimum pages. <laughs> I was going to say, tell him how you know, Mark. <laughs> I know because I've taken a lot of short, many short story collections and single long short stories and done that. And, and it's uh, 64 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on future growth of fiction category on Kickstarter and how that might interface or yeah, interface with distribution uh, in yes. light of Brendan Patterson's recent huge KS project. So here's the reality, Scott, that when you think about this, and I had Russell Nolte, who's done incredibly well with comic stuff on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, he was on, on my podcast not too long ago. Did we have him on DDD Insiders yet? Maybe we should. We should. He reminds you that when you're on a place like Kindle or, or Apple Books or one of the other uh, major retailers, you're competing with a lot of titles and you may have to get X amount of sales. And most people, uh, our sales are going to be relatively minimal. Even if your Kickstarter is a minimum of $500 or $1,000, that may be more money that you, than you make on that book in a year on sales. And it's a, it's a, it's a more, in some ways, it's a more direct one-on-one -on -one relationship that you have that you can't broker through a retailer. So I think uh, leveraging Kickstarter in a way that leverages that community that you've already built or the community of fans that really, like obviously Brandon Sanderson has millions of fans uh, and is a sweetheart of a guy too. So, and he treats all of his fans very respectfully and kindly. Um, you know, that's going to work for, for somebody like that. So I think, I think Kickstarter is yet another option or opportunity. I've been using it right now to support an anthology project so I can pay the author's pro rates. And uh, and it's going well. I'm engaging directly with a bunch of people who are going to get the book early before I publish the entire book through draft to digital print and uh, ebook, and um, and make that available on all the retailers. Those backers get it early, so they get to benefit from some of those things. Right. I think the, the Brandon Sanderson thing is going to be a weird outlier. Like, Brandon had to have tr like a tremendous amount of leverage with the traditional industry to negotiate his contract to let him do what he did. Um, indie authors have been using Kickstarter and do it quite well. Um, but like that amount of money, that was very unusual and it, kind of an unusual situation. 99.9% .9 of the traditional authors out there could not do what he did because their contract would completely forbid it. He thought way ahead to do that. Like, yeah. Um, and that probably took a lot of fighting, uh, his agent really working to get that, uh, clause in there. Cause, uh, most of the time the publisher would retain all the rights to make any new edition, uh, and would not let you make any competing product with them. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, we're at time, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, I hope everybody got something useful out of this episode. Um, we are, of course, you can find us at drafttodigital.com, but you can also find us at selfpublishinginsiders.com. We'll find a bunch of stuff just like this, uh, sometimes even better. Uh, you might also want to go run on over and subscribe to us on both YouTube and Facebook. If you go to youtube.com slash drafttodigital, 
uh, and facebook.com slash draft digital. Those are coincidental names, but if you go and subscribe and follow us, you'll get alerts whenever we uh, are going to have one of these live events. And you can tune in and ask all the questions you want, and we have some really special guests who show up on the show. We've also launched a podcast uh, based on this programming, so if you want to catch up on the past stuff, that's, that's of course, at selfpublishinginsiders.com. So, guys, thanks so much for uh, tuning in and talking over lawnmowers and everything else. Uh, it's been a great episode. Thanks for the great question, everyone. All right, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.